Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, and I'm here today to share you with you biblical insights and more stories from the Family Doctor's Rusty Dusty Scrapbook. Today our topic is the man of peace. Now I know what you're thinking and you're saying, well doctor, what exactly is the man of peace? Who is the man of peace? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I want to share with you a scripture from Matthew 10 verses 8 through 13 where Jesus sends his disciples out two by two to share the gospel. He sends them out into the surrounding neighborhood, villages, and cities. And he tells them to go and preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he tells his disciples not to take an extra purse, an extra bag, an extra pair of sandals, or a staff. He tells them not to take any copper coins or silver coins. And he tells them that when they go into the village, he says to find a household of peace. And he says, when you go into this village, if you find a home that accepts you, he says, stay there and continue to preach the gospel. But if there's no one willing to take you in, no household of peace, he says, shake the dust from your sandals and go on to the next village. He says it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So he gives us an idea of what is meant by the household of peace or the man of peace. The man of peace is a man whose heart is prepared by God to receive the good news. And usually it's not just this one man, it's his entire household. More than that, God often prepares a messenger to bring to this man whose heart is prepared by God to receive the good news. He prepares a messenger to bring him the good news. The other thing I want us to understand that there is a man of peace in most cities, but not all. It was obvious because he told them, if you do not find a man of peace, a household of peace, he said, just shake off the dust from your sandals and go on to the next city. So let's let's look at a biblical example of what we're talking about. In Acts chapter 10, we find a man whose name was Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. The Romans were an occupying military force in Palestine at the time. And the Romans despised the Jews. The Jews hated the Roman soldiers. The Romans were a pagan people who worshipped multiple deities. The Jews were the people of God who worshipped the one true God. The Jews had nothing to do with pagan peoples, calling them Gentiles. They wouldn't eat with them. They wouldn't go into their homes. 
They literally had nothing to do with them, and there was a great cultural and religious divide between the Jewish people and the Roman soldiers who were Gentiles. Well, the Bible tells us that Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing, God-seeking man who prayed often, and because of his religiosity, he gave alms to the poor. And in Acts chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, the Bible tells us that God had prepared this man's heart. In fact, he prepared his heart with a vision. And in this vision, he told him to send down to the city of Joppa, down by the sea, to the home of a man named Simon the Tanner. And more specifically, he was to ask for a man named Peter. Well, at the same time that God was preparing the heart of Cornelius, the Roman soldier, who was a centurion, by the way, a high-ranking Roman soldier, God was also preparing the messenger. Peter was at the home of Simon the Tanner, and the Bible tells us that at midday he was on the roof of the house, and guess what he was doing? He was praying. Cornelius was a praying man. Peter, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, was also a praying man. And as he was praying on the rooftop, God sends him a vision. And in this vision, a great sheet falls down from heaven, and in the sheet is all manner of critters. Not just any kind of animals, but animals that the Jews considered unclean. Animals that, by the law, they would never touch, they would never eat. And yet, a voice from heaven says to him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter immediately responds with, No, 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 Lord, I could never do that. For you see, Peter's a kosher Jewish man. He would never violate the law. He would never kill and eat unclean animals. Well, then the voice from heaven says to him that he should not consider unclean anything that God has declared to be clean. Well, mystified by this, the vision is repeated twice more. Well, Peter's completely confused by this when all of a sudden there's a knock at the gate and there are two Roman soldiers there sent by Cornelius. What a coincidence, a spiritual serendipity. Now, these Roman soldiers know better than to come into the house. They don't even come onto the property. They stay at the gate. They know the rules. They know the rules of propriety. So they're standing at the gate, and they just raise their voice and ask for Peter. Again, Peter's mystified. How would they know that he's there? Again, the voice from heaven says to Peter, Don't be afraid. Go with these men. Now, if you're living in a country that's occupied by a foreign military force and they show up at your door and ask for you unsolicited, would you be afraid to go with them? Ho, 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 ho. I'm certainly I'm confident that I would be 
because that generally means jail time. Well, Peter listens to the voice from heaven. He goes down and takes a couple of his friends with him, and they go with these Roman soldiers. They arrive later at the home of Cornelius and ask, what can we do for you? Well, by this time, Cornelius has gathered his entire family, and they're all prepared. Their hearts are prepared by God. And Peter arrives, and he's the messenger prepared by God. And Cornelius invites him to share whatever message he has. And does Peter have a message? And he shares with him the good news of the gospel. Cornelius is saved. His entire household is saved. He proves to be the man of peace that Jesus talked about in Matthew 10 when he sent his disciples out two by two to preach the kingdom of God into all the surrounding cities and villages. His household is the household of peace. And in fact, the whole household becomes believers. Peter then says that he perceives that God is no respecter of persons and that salvation is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. So this is an amazing turn of events in church history. This is Bob at Bob Sloan Audio Productions, the producer of this and many other podcasts. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about how to create, record, and distribute a podcast, contact me at bobsloan.com. That's B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E dot com. And we'll discuss getting your podcast on the air. Now, let's talk about you and me. You see, we understand that this was not an isolated occurrence. Because later in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas were praying. In fact, they went to a prayer meeting down by a river in Macedonia, and they found a woman named Lydia. Paul and Silas, no doubt, were praying. They go to a prayer meeting, and they meet the woman of peace. Her name was Lydia. She becomes a believer, and the Bible says that her entire household was saved. And then sometime later, Paul and Silas cast a demon out of a young girl who was owned by two men who were sorcerers. They end up being thrown into prison because of this after being beaten. And in the middle of the night, they are doing what? You remember the story. They're worshiping and praising God when an earthquake comes, throws open all the doors of the jail cells, the, de- the jailer is just before falling on his sword when Peter, I'm sorry, Paul cries out and says, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And guess who gets saved? Well, it's the jailer and not just him, but his entire household. Both Lydia and the Philippian jailer proved to be the man and the woman of peace. Their whole households are the household of peace. God connects them because of prayer, the prayer of Paul and Silas, the prayer of Lydia and the women down by the riverside who were at a prayer meeting. 
the prayer of Paul and Silas in the middle of the night when they're worshiping God despite <laughs> having been severely beaten. Do you see the common denominator in these stories? The common denominator is prayer. You see, Jesus prayed for two years before he selected his disciples that he sent out two by two to go in all the cities and villages. Peter was praying. Cornelius was praying before God connected them. Paul and Silas were praying, as was Lydia down by the river. Paul and Silas were praying in the middle of the night despite being physically abused before connecting, being connected with the Philippian jailer. So the lesson for you and me is that we must be people of prayer. If God is going to connect us with the household of peace in our communities, I submit to you very respectfully that you and I must be people of prayer. And we must be constantly asking God to connect us with the people of prayer around us. Now, let me share with you a story. I just returned from Mexico, and I was on a mission trip down there for five days. And I spoke seven times, and six out of the seven times, people were saved. In fact, 55 people came to know the Lord in six speaking engagements. And it was very surprising because I was there to do new believer training, and I really wasn't expecting salvations. The, the pastors that I was working with were amazed as well because they were not expecting salvations. But everywhere we spoke, we would give an invitation. I, I spoke at a pro-life meeting, <laughs> and nine women were saved at a pro-life meeting. I was doing new believer training on the beach in an open-air meeting, and five construction workers who were not even involved in the meeting overheard, and all five of them committed their lives to Christ. So the Spirit of, the, of God was really moving. But here's, here's the point of what I'm trying to say. There was one family in a little town called Chabihau, and the, the, the missionary and the pastor that I was working with, Roy and Leo, had been looking for Christians in this little town of Chabihau for two to three months and could not find any Christians, any believers. So they recruited a pastor in a nearby town, his name was Oscar, to help them find some Christians in Chabihau, and he agreed. Well, he couldn't find any Christians either. But Oscar met a man in a hospital in the capital city of Merida, which was 40 or 50 miles away. And he was praying with this man. He was suffering from leukemia and was, and was dying. He met the family and began to pray with the family. Well, ultimately, this man with leukemia died and unbeknownst to Oscar, his whole extended family was from, guess where? Chabihau. Well, none of them were believers. But Oscar invited Leo and Roy, my friends, to go down to Chabihau to pray with the extended family after this man with leukemia was deceased. So they drove down to Chabihau. They were praying with the family. The family were all Mayans, and as you probably know, the Mayans are all short, they're stout, very dark-skinned, and there was one brother who, unlike most of the Mayans, he was rather tall. He was about five foot eight. His name was Manuel. As they were praying with the family, Manuel immediately stands up 
He's taller than everybody. And with tears in his eyes, he says, I need God in my life. I need Jesus in my life. My friend Roy looks at Leo, who speaks Mayan, and says, it's time. Talk to him about being saved. So Leo immediately leads Manuel to faith in Christ. Well, Manuel's mother, Juanita, stands up, and she says, I need God in my life. I need Jesus in my life. And in a matter of moments, Leo, the pastor, leads Juanita to faith in Christ. And over the next two to three weeks, 18 other family members, brothers, sisters, spouses, cousins, become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, who was the man of peace in this story? Well, the man of peace was Manuel, and his entire household became believers. They were crying out to the Lord. They were praying, praying for God to intervene in their household on behalf of their brother who had leukemia. God did not answer their prayer in the way that they expected because their brother still died from leukemia. But God did answer their prayer in a way that they did not expect. He sent a pastor named Oscar, a pastor named Leo, and my good friend Roy, who's a missionary there. And before they knew it, 18 of the family had become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Roy and Leo and Oscar were the messengers. And they had been, you got it, praying. They had been praying for months, that God would lead them to a man of peace in that community. Manuel, Juanita, and multiple family members had been crying out to the Lord, not for salvation, but for their brother to be delivered from leukemia. But God heard their prayers, and he brought to them a messenger of hope. He brought to them someone who could introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of that, multiple people were born again into the kingdom of God. So that's an example, a modern-day example, of people praying and God connecting a messenger with the man of peace and an entire household of peace being born again into the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful story. Now, I submit to you that there are people in your community who are crying out to God. I don't know why. They have an alcoholic husband. They have a drug-addicted son. They have children who are getting divorced. There's all manner of reasons why people are crying out to God. And at the same time, you and I are praying that God would introduce us to the man or woman of peace. How will God introduce us? Will he use a dream or a vision? <laughs> I don't know. Will he just introduce us in the, in the supermarket? Will he introduce us in the hospital or at work? I don't know. But God is a supernatural, divine orchestrator of events. He makes divine appointments all the time. Just like he introduced Oscar to Manuel in the hospital in Merida, all the way down in the Yucatan Peninsula. He orchestrated that event. And I'm satisfied he can orchestrate events for you and me. Now, 
Let me ask you this. How many of you ever had a door-to-door salesman come to your house? Well, I'm sure that some of you seasoned veterans out there remember way back when the Fuller Brush Man used to come to your house, or the Rainbow Vacuum Salesperson, or somebody selling Encyclopedia Britannica, or World Book Encyclopedia, and they would come by your house selling Now, these young folks out there, you probably never had a door-to-door salesman come to your house for anything. But just trust me, they used to come by the house, and they would sell stuff. And they would make their presentation. And when they were through, they would always ask one last question before they left. Now, you seasoned veterans, tell me, what was that last question? (laughs) They would always say, Do you know someone else who would be interested in my product? You see, a good salesperson is always building his list of contacts because his livelihood depends on a long list of contacts. I have a brother who sells solar panels out in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the company provides him with a long list of names, a long list of contacts, people that he can call on every day to sell solar panels. He loves that long list of names. His livelihood depends on that long list of contacts. So you see, here's my question to you. Who is your list of contacts? You see, you and I must have a list of names of lost people. They can be your children, your grandchildren, your next-door neighbor, your friends, people at work. Do you have a list of contacts? Do you have a list of people that you know have never been born again into the kingdom of God? And are you praying for them? For you see, how will you and I ever be connected to the man of peace if we're not praying specifically and by name for a list of of lost people. Now, I have friends that look at me all the time and they say, well, doc, I just don't know any lost people. And I look at them and I say, for shame, for shame, for shame. Isn't that what Gomer Pyle said? For shame, for shame, for shame. Why do I say that? Because Jesus was the friend of sinners. Jesus knew sinners. And you and I should know sinners and we should know lost people. If you only run around with a crowd of good, God-fearing Christian people, how are you ever going to share the gospel with lost people? So I would challenge you to create friendship with sinners, with lost people. And if you don't know any lost people, then join a club. Join a quilting club. Join a hunt club. Join the gym. Join the kayaking club. It doesn't matter. Just join something where you can meet new people. I had a friend one time who told me he didn't have anybody that he could share the gospel with. And I challenged him and I said, look, I want you to meet one new person every day for a month. And he said, why? And I said, you just do it. I saw him a month later, and before I could even ask him about meeting the new people, you know what came out of his mouth? 
He was telling me all the opportunities he had had to share the gospel. (laughs) And you know why? It's because he was meeting new people. He had new friends in his life. And the same thing is true for you and me. Now, here's another thing. If you will join yourself to ministries that minister to the poor, the prisoner, the orphan, the widow, and the sick, you will find more opportunity to share the gospel than you can shake a stick at. You join yourself to the ministries in your community that minister to the poor, the prisoner, the ex-convicts, foster children, orphans, widows, folks who are sick. You join yourself to those ministries And I promise you, you're going to have more opportunities to share the gospel than you ever had before. Join yourself to those ministries. Be involved. And you see, out of ministry flows the opportunity to have credibility and the opportunity to share the gospel. So here's my challenge for today. Number one, you must be a praying person. Because out of the prayers, God connects you to the man of peace who's also praying on their side. Number two, you need to meet new people. You need to have a list of contacts. You need to have your list that you're always praying for. Lost people that you're always praying for. I read a book entitled Miraculous Transformations recently. Subtitle is why hundreds of thousands of Muslims are falling in love with Jesus. And these Muslim people create a 30-day prayer list, and they have a different person on their prayer list every day. And they contact that person on each day of the month and say to them, I'm praying for you. And out of those 30 names, they often find, guess who? the man of peace, because they're praying for a different lost person every day of the month, and they contact that person and ask them, is there something that I can pray for you about? How many times when you were a lost person did a Christian call you up and say, I'm praying for you, what can I pray for you about? (laughs) That's life-changing in itself. So you make your list of lost names You start praying for those folks and call them. Call them and say, I'm praying for you today. God has put you on my heart. What can I pray for you about? I often look at my patients that I know are not Christians, and I will say to them, there are certain things that medicine can do, but there's certain things that only God can do. What can I pray for you about? Well, that takes them aback. And often they don't have anything to say until I've said it to them on two or three consecutive visits. And then finally they'll look at me and they'll start telling me the issues of their life. And I'm able to start praying for them. And out of that praying flows the opportunities to share the gospel. The same thing will be true in your life. God will connect you by praying with the man of peace. You're listening to More Than Medicine. And I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. 
For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. If you'd like to contribute to further the efforts of the ministry, you can support them at patreon.com forward slash Jackson Family Ministries. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com. Thank you.